0: Episode Of First Strike before to start the show. Got to plug our sponsor, facepacegames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. So be sure to check that right after the show. And uh, this is KYT here, right after. Uh, great to have an episode right after the PT. And we got Rob Lombardi in the house. How's it going, Rob?
1: Uh, it's good. I'm glad I could make it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we also got Derek Pipe, misplaced ginger, who had a, uh, I guess, A near finish this past weekend. Derek, having trouble... You have to take
1: yourself off mute. Jesus. (laughs) Derek, having trouble...
2: I don't know how to use the internet. I don't know how how you got me on here in the first place, to be honest. That's why I didn't win the
0: PTQ. (laughs) (laughs) My internet died. (laughs) You were MTGO. You're an MTGO grinder. You should know, like, all these... Technical
2: stuff. I know what the bugs are because they release it often. But other than that, like I don't know anything about the internet. Like Magic Online tweeted something. So what else
0: matters, right? <laughs> Today, tonight, tonight, we're, we're, there's a lot of stuff to cover. Of course, there's the PT. Uh, there's people who wanted us to cover the standard um, PTQ that happened and what our thoughts are on the metagame. And we even had some interest uh, from story uh, for stories from Rob, uh, even uh, David Rude shared my facebook post really interesting and interested in hearing rob tell his gabe sang story so lots to look forward to and of course if you want to support the show go to patreon.com slash first strike uh any amount of donation would be super appreciated and helps us continue the show and uh pay for all the hosting costs and everything else so Uh, Hats off to everyone in the nation and and everyone who has supported us from episode one. So let's get down right to it, to the Pro Tour, which was won by Lantern Control uh, by Luis Salvato, who beat our friend, well, my friend Jerry Thompson in the finals. Was uh, really psyched to see if he could uh, end up being a two-time champion. But of course, he had, it felt like no chance in the match. He lost three in a row. Um, was pretty sad that the games played out in a very anticlimactic fashion, where it was pretty obvious that at some before the game was truly over, that it, there was just a very small window, a five percent chance that like a card that he needed wasn't going to get Codex shredded. When the metagame got posted, we had five color humans as the most popular deck, but but once again, everything was really spread around that ten percent mark. Uh, Rob, were were you surprised at the metagame that was displayed at the Pro Tour?
1: Yeah, I was kind of surprised that Humans was so popular, and I was even more surprised that people thought it was going to be more popular than it ended up actually being. I think uh, when they were interviewing uh, more than one pro, they had noted that uh, they thought that the metagame presence for Humans was going to be closer to 20%. Which I, I guess is why a lot of people showed up with stuff like Jeskai Control, and probably why you know we didn't see any Jeskai Control kind of like end up anywhere relevant <laughs> at the end of the tournament. Um, it's just like you know when a deck's only ten percent of the metagame, and you're really like geared towards trying to beat it. Um, you know you're kind of playing matchup roulette at that point. But uh, yeah, I think everything else was like pretty standard. I mean, everyone just kind of played what they felt. Was the best deck for them, which is kind of the modern format. Um, uh, Pretty much everything was represented, though, and it's nice to see that uh, Tron and Titan Shift really didn't do too much damage. (laughs) Although uh, maybe I would have preferred if they just like slammed the top eight, like four Tron decks, and then we could just be done with uh, Ancient Stirrings altogether and just call it a day.
0: Uh, I, I don't know if you got a chance to see this tweet, Rob, but Pascal Maynard wrote, <laughs> tweeted out, did some background checks on qualified players' history and used my knowledge to come up with this expected metagame. Uh, I guess he, he's basing it off of the reputation of people or people he, for what they've been playing in modern. And, and his projection, though, his projection for humans was 2.95%. And he had Death Shadow, Burn, and uh, Black Green <laughs> midrange as a top three. He placed humans as possibly uh, an underplayed uh, archetype compared to the what MTG Goldfish's metagame numbers would show. So it's hard. It's hard to project. Like, turns out that he was way off. I, I would
1: have been in line with his thinking, really. I mean, like I was going into it. I would have expected that people that would normally play, like Craig Wesco's of the world, right? Like people playing Merfolk, those kind of aether vile type people people that like eldrazi and taxes that kind of stuff that they would be you know migrate to humans because i think it's just a better deck than all the other aether vile options but when you see like almost the whole brazilian team uh and and spanish team like i just like just a lot of teams just come packing like almost an entire uh the entire team playing humans was kind of a surprise and like a lot of those teams are known for very different archetypes right like to see people like Willie adult just like no I'm not playing scavenging this weekend is uh, it's pretty telling I guess he must have felt very strongly about it It seems reasonable I think uh, there are two decks in the top eight and it did pretty reasonably overall even with like a pretty big radar or mark on its head I guess
0: let's go to you, Derek. You've you've been uh, playing lots of Modern in your trophy hunting series and and just in general, uh, did the results of the top eight affect uh, your your testing heading into uh, the GB Toronto, which is this upcoming weekend? Um,
2: No, not really. If anything, it made like the decks that I knew about before um, on other people's radars. So I think this actually improves um, what I was like. I was playing Greg's Death Shadow, and I've been playing it for a little bit now. Um, and I was finding, so for reference, the, the guy who had the most amount of trophies last season in modern had, he was playing the black red pyromancer deck that Jerry came second with and was just winning all the time. And so like I was playing uh, the pyromancer deck, like once or twice a league, um, right around the, when the face open in Toronto was happening. Um, but didn't see it in person at all. Cause I think just people don't pay attention to magic online results. And so I think that like the fact that people know about this deck now more in paper means that there'll be more hate for it. Um, and I think that that deck was a, a result of the metagame shift to big mana decks such as Tron and scapeshift. and it's also good against Death Shadow. Um, so like I think now that people realize that people are moving away from big mana decks, they'll move towards aggro decks, and then they'll move towards decks that beat aggro decks like Abzan. So I think in the future, like we saw Reed Duke top eight with abzan i think abzan's a good choice going forward it's probably the best mid-range deck um if you're not trying to play death shadow uh but yeah like the top top eight didn't really change anything um maybe like bannings like maybe lantern will get banned now like who likes playing against that deck but uh (laughs) i don't know i was kind of surprised there weren't more humans listed in top eight i remember seeing andre andre strotsky tweet that his team uh found that Humans was just far and away the best aggro deck. Like, better than Affinity, they found. So I think maybe more people, if they're trying to play aggro, will play uh, Humans over Affinity or
0: Burn. Hmm. We might see, uh, like, what Andy would say, uh, a spot... Do you you see maybe a spot where Affinity would be underprepared for? Yeah. Hard hard to say, though. Actually, there's there's splash hate from Lantern Control, though.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Stony Silence is gonna be, like... Uh, People with Stony Silence are on high alert for this weekend. So, actually, I think (laughs) Affinity is just straight up a terrible choice. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's like the worst aggro deck. (laughs) And people that are like preparing to beat Lantern just like ad hoc, like just happen to crush you
2: by accident. So, yeah, like you need to play four Fatal Push to beat humans probably um, reasonably. And Fatal Push also is
3: just very good against the Affinity deck. So,.
0: So Derek, you weren't surprised. Were you, um, did it pique your interest, a Ken hero list with uh, our boy, the first strike boy hollow one in the house? I like when they, when they were asked where they got that deck list,
2: they literally like who designed this magic online. That's what they're, that was their answer. And it's just like, like, yeah, like there's so many random decks on Moto. Why'd they pick this one? And they're just like rolling. Like we saw it in top eight. They just played two hollowed ones on turn one. And yeah. like what, like what's going on? It's just how did this deck get here? I think like well, he also had a five-one draft record, which says a lot. Um, so I think the deck's not very good, but if you just run hot, like you can, you can top eight with it, right? I
1: actually, I actually started playing against this deck a lot on Moto leading up to the PT, and I was on Blue Red Moon, uh, which did reasonably well, I guess. Like. Um, What's the, that guy's name? Like Viren? Uh, forget his exact. Name.
2: The, the European yeah. guy, right? Yeah, I have it Pascal, yeah. Pascal.
1: Pascal Viren. Yeah, he had like an interesting take on it. Uh, we kind of floated the idea of thing in the ice a little bit back and forth between me and Edgar. Decided it's probably not worth it. I was like, hey, maybe it's good against humans. Um, apparently, if you play three ancestral visions in your deck, that that's probably more what we were missing. We never, we never got there. I think ancestral visions is probably just like allows you to kind of like. Not gas out. It seems like uh, a reasonable approach. Um, a reasonable approach there. I forget what actually. Oh, the hollow one deck. Yeah. So I was playing, I was blue red. Uh, and I could, I just can't beat hollow one. Like, cause I don't like have rip. I have relic, but like, I don't really want to just like pop my relics like crazy because it, it affects me in a in a meaningful way too. And like sometimes they don't even care. They just like drop two hollow ones, and then you have to pop your relic so that they're not bringing back, like, a flame, wake Phoenix and a Blood gas, And the next turn, they just dump, like, six more cards in their graveyard <laughs> to play a land and bring something back, right? So, uh, this was when I was complaining about only, or going 4-1, like, way too often. This deck was very frequently the one loss I got in the leagues. <laughs> and, uh, I didn't think it was great, but it was definitely great versus me. And it has some, it has some very insane draws. Like, I think it is more explosive than Dredge. Although, like, if it doesn't do its thing by turn two, it's probably... It, it like, doesn't have the same consistency. we like, dredge gonna get you, right? Like, you let Dredge do its thing, it's gonna get you? And this deck, like, kind of does its thing quickly, and if it doesn't get there, then, uh, then it does nothing. But
2: Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I think this is the new Dredge. Not necessarily better, but just, like, the new Dredge. Uh, Like, pe- people, like... For Death Shadow, Dredge is an unwinnable matchup, so I'm just not playing really any graveyard hate. But like Dredge can't beat decks like Tron with main deck Relic of Progenitus or like Turn Three Karn or Ugin or whatever, right? But like I think this deck attacks differently and like people aren't ready for it. Also the fact that like I don't know, if you put Dredge and Jerry's deck together, you basically get this weird hollowed one deck and you just have like value in graveyard stuff and you just need so much to beat it and nobody has any idea what's going on. So I, I think I think that's how it made top eight.
0: You're not going. Both of you are not going to bother testing this. No, no. I think no. Goblin is like twenty dollars right now too. <laughs> I, I remember telling
1: yeah, like, someone I was like, I was like, this stupid uncommon is like only printed in like tenth edition in some other set. I was like, if this deck takes off, it's it's going to be worth a lot of money. And now it's like, I mean, it's obviously overhyped right now, but it's currently infinite dollars. And like,
2: nervous. did you see the top eight where he just puts two hollow ones? in turn one, on, into play against Reed. And then the next next round, he just does nothing three games in a row. He, like, has the exact same hand and just does nothing, and it's like, oh, yeah, I guess, like, there's a bit of randomness in this deck. Like, I mean, they were rolling dice like the whole match, right? So they basically just rolled for the win both times. <laughs> they were just playing peak modern. Like, that's peak modern. Just roll I thought, dice. I thought it was good for coverage, though. <laughs> was, I mean, Chion
1: and, was it Chion and Riley, I think, they were, like, Pumped up, screaming! It's like. Riley's
2: band
0: though. Riley's yeah. so great. Riley's I, my.
2: I, I, I think
1: he's my favorite now.
0: I don't know <laughs> if he was on, because I, I don't recognize Riley's. I haven't watched enough coverage with Riley on, but I recognize Cheon's voice, and I thought he was super. I even tweeted us out today to, to him, and I honestly mean it. Like his enthusiasm was very infectious. Like how he gets. Like if it's acting, it's it's amazing acting because he just sounds like he cares about every draw and he's like in, excited about every situation that I just couldn't turn away. Like even if it wasn't, it was two people that I didn't really care about. Oh, actually no, no, I was rooting for Reed a bit, but like I, I didn't care about them as much as I did for for Jerry. But Chian was able to make me care about the match a lot more.
1: Yeah, actually, I think um, overall, the coverage staff for the Pro Tours, everyone's kind of, like, found their place now where they're, like, they they have them all in positions where they're all good at what they're doing. Like, they have their news desk people, and the news desk people are, like, good at news desk stuff. If they interview people, the interview people are good at interviewing and talking to people on the floor. And, like, the people doing coverage, like, they have really good pairings where, like, they have someone that really knows the format and they have someone that's funny and they kind of just like, you know, they figured out something sweet. Like, I used to see Robert Anderson pop up. he's like, okay, just like laying on a bed. What
0: is last, going on?
4: Last minute, oh. I guess, just to get him in for, uh, for 15 <laughs> playing for, 15 for nine hours. Give me a break. Yeah. Anderson, what did you play at the PT? Grixis <laughs> Shadow. And you had a, a dismal 6-4? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, the deck was fine. I just, uh, (laughs) variants caught up with me day two. Like, uh, day one I was doing well. I only lost... It's really funny. I probably played, like, 500 matches of Modern, and at the PT I went against three decks that I had never played against before. Um, which is kind of bad because I find modern is like a format that really punishes you when you don't sideboard properly. So, what did
1: you play against that you've never played
4: against before? Round 1, uh sorry, day 1, uh I lost against uh a black white zombies smuggler scopter deck. Like, apparently it's, like, some <laughs> Travis Wudak or something. It was this this French guy from France playing it. It was playing like, um, it was playing Dreadwanderer and Smuggler's Copter, Vault. That's a combo. Wanderer and Smuggler's Copter. Combo? Is that uh, a combo? Yeah, because
1: com- it comes into play tapped, and then you can't attack with your copter, so it just keeps you honest. One yeah, of those cards I- is
4: banned in standard. It must be insane. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was playing, like, Path like lingering souls and <laughs> fatal push and like you know the usual stuff. So like, lingering souls, one...
1: smuggler's copter. I can get behind that. That that's a real combo. <laughs> the yeah. usual stuff.
4: Yeah. I mean, game one, I was going to win, but he looted into a fatal push. Like I was gonna battle rage him, and like he just looted into push and like whatever it happens. And then game two, he like he turned zero laylined me, and then I like played two Death Shadows that were eight eights, and I was going to kill them, and then he played Damnation. I just, like, had no idea what the fuck was going on. So, you know, that was my only... <laughs> that was my only modern loss on day one, was to that, you know, everything else was standard. I I played a really sick mirror match against, um, Corey Bowmeister. Um, he was playing, uh, the same thing, but he was pl- he was playing a uh, Grix of Shadow, but he was playing uh, four Mishra's Baubles. Uh, I don't know what he caught for them. Like he trimmed on lands, and I don't think they were playing like any three drops. Uh, but it was really sick, like back and forth mirror match, three games that went really long, and uh, I managed to win. I mean the the draft was fine on day one. Like I was blue red pirates. I wasn't super happy with my deck, but it it went okay. I lost to. Uh, A Japanese guy who had like the uh, the mythic five-five white (laughs) dinosaur that like o-rings your guys and (laughs) game one and three he just pulled ahead with the blasting cannons he we we both got to like a board stall and then he played that and just pulled ahead. Okay, Um,
0: yeah, I think I think uh, Lombardi just like instantly asked Rob questions, but to introduce people. Who don't know who is randomly on his bed on the stream. It's Rob Anderson, the lone member of the First Strike team, playing at Pro Tour Rivals of Ixalan, the only member left uh, that was qualified for this PT. He just came back from Bilbao. and uh, Rob, you mentioned Wet Wall. Well. Was the draft... Did you have much draft strategy going in, or was it pretty basic, just find out what was which tribe was open and just jam that?
4: Yeah, I mean... Uh... This pro tour was all over the place. I mean, a lot of pros were complaining about the draft format. I think the format is... It's okay, but sometimes, like, the in tribal formats, you sometimes the packs just, like, screw you. And <laughs> there isn't really anything you can do about it. Like, you can, like, try to sort of keep it the way it is. Like, you can try to... I, I don't really know how to explain it, but I mean, like, uh, my draft day two, I made a decision, pack one, pick one, and I think if I made, and because of that decision, my deck was not very good, and I won two, I think if I had picked the other <laughs> card, my deck would have been insane. And it's just the nature of, like, Ixalan packs, you know, okay. like where we're just loaded with black cards. Um, so I didn't really have a strategy. Like I know that when I was playing on Moto, like three quarters of my draft, I was black white, okay. and that's kind of where I wanted to be. But black is very easily the best color, and there, that's no secret. So, and that weighed into my decision in the second draft. To like, I, I basically opened a pack that had Golden Demise, Impale, Moment of Craving, Bombard, Luminous Bonds, and the rare was Deep Root Elite. And I basically made the decision well, you know, everyone thinks green sucks, and <laughs> Merfolk is open a lot of the time because everyone wants to be black, so I'm going to take this Merfolk. And then, I was actually sitting next to Alex Hayne, he was passing to me, and then he passed me a Silvergill Adept, I'm like, oh sweet, this is like, you know, working out. And then, like, I was getting some mediocre green cards, I didn't see any blue cards, I saw nonstop black cards. And then in the second pack, I opened a Rekindling Phoenix, but I was like, already very much blue-green. And, so I passed it to Hayne, and then I like, saw more black cards and it it just didn't make a lot of sense And the third, the third pack, I think like picks eight, nine and 10 and 11 had wanted scoundrels in them, which is like an insane black uncommon. And then pick 12 and pick 13 had anointed deacon in them. So it just didn't make any sense. Round one, I went against the guy two seats to my left who opened Profane Procession, and I was sure he was in black, and he was. Uh, he was black, red, splashing Procession. I managed to win that game, but only because he like his deck kind of had some mana issues. And then round two, I went against um, a guy who actually ended up top-eating the PT, a uh, French Whoa. guy, Jean-Emmanuel, something or other. And he had an insane blue-black control deck he didn't, uh, he was flashing Bombards, he didn't take the Golden Demise that I, that I passed him, but he actually opened another one. And, like, <laughs> since I was Merfolk and there were two goblin, uh, Golden Demises in the draft, like, yeah, it just, like, didn't end up well. And then round three, I went against the guy playing Blue-Red Pirates, and our decks were pretty even, but, I mean, he pulled out ahead. And then I talked to Hain after. He actually first picked the Merfolk Lord, and passed me Silvergill Adept. And then he second-picked another Merfolk Lord. Oh, wow. So, and then, apparently the two people to the right of us were in blue, so he abandoned the Merfolk strategy and ended up with, like, a Dinosaur deck. He went 2-1. His deck seemed, like, pretty decent. But, uh, I just feel like (laughs) if Pain opens, like, a good rare and passes me the Merfolk Lords... I win that draft. Or, like, if you open, like, the Vampire Lord instead of the Merfolk Lord and pick that, like, there's just so many, like, little things that, I mean, you also have to know, like, when to switch and all this stuff. But, I mean, it's it's really, like, there's so much, like, stuff that you have to, like, uh, try to maintain. And uh, okay. ultimately, like, I think I made the wrong pick. I should have just picked the Golden Demise and then like had a deck with like four wanted scoundrels and like just infinite good stuff. but yeah, I mean, it is what it is.
0: Shoutouts to Kyle Duncan, who says he'll he'll stay on the stream uh, in the hopes that Rob Anderson takes off his shirt. Oh well, which Rob does he want to take off the shirt? And Randerson, for sure. Randerson, yeah, Randerson, for sure. Randerson. He's hoping that you take off your shirt. So, um, yeah, that, that was an interesting um, look at your. This was your second
4: draft, uh, Rob. Yeah, that was my second draft.
0: Yeah, and and how basically you, you're you're saying just just a different card opened by just the way it lined up, kind of made you uh, put you. Yeah, in a good spot. I
4: mean, yeah, and, and the fact that pack three was so loaded with black and. I mean, I I actually talked to a number of people. Like, Pascal Maynard agreed with my pick and said that he would have done the same thing. Uh, A bunch of other people would have taken Golden Demise. Like, Eduardo Sagulik would have taken Luminous Bonds. Like, some other people would have taken Bombard. Like, it's really... I just think, like, when you open a pack with the three best black cards, like, I just wanted to ship all the black to my Mm -hmm. left and let them deal with it. Okay. Um, But, I mean, it's... It's different. It's different strategies. I mean, I guess what you're passing doesn't really matter as much as what you're receiving. But I mean, I was still getting like decent green murfolk, but I just wasn't getting blue cards. And uh yeah, I mean, I also I also played pretty bad. Like, <laughs> uh, okay, you know, it's one of those like uh <laughs> no real like excuse. I just like. Felt like I play <laughs> Yeah, I didn't play terribly, but I like. Uh, I don't know.
3: Um,
0: are you Are you heading to GB Toronto?
4: To I don't play? think so. Actually. Okay. Uh,
0: uh, if you were given uh, all this, but but again, like you just played, we saw the the meta game breakdown again. Everything was like roughly ten percent, even though humans was number one. It's just like, and your experience reflects the, how wide it is. Once again, I think it. I hear that story a lot, like, every round I faced a different deck. Uh, Would you have brought something different, uh, or if you're going to Toronto, what would you bring in light of the results?
4: You know, I haven't really thought about it that much. Like, I think Grixis Shadow may not be a great choice, because I think uh, everyone loves Jerry T so much, and uh, he played Pyromancer, and, yeah, I feel like uh, that is uh, a bad matchup? matchup? Okay. It's not it's mm. not it's not that bad, but it's you're definitely unfavored. And upon playing more with Shadow, like even humans is not I think it's pretty even, but at the same time your game plan is a lot riskier because you have to be damaging yourself against a deck that's like very aggressive. And it's also a lot easier for you to make a mistake, whereas humans they just need to autopilot you. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think Shadow would be a a fantastic choice this weekend. I would probably look at more of a like control deck, like maybe a blue white or just guy or something.
0: Derek, do you do you agree with with how he's describing the matchups? As someone who plans to play, uh, possibly play Shadow,
2: yeah. Um, I I discovered those uh, those issues. Before um, the PT, like I said, I was playing a black red deck quite a bit. Uh, I just didn't think it would be like that popular. Um, and it definitely has issues like even, even lingering souls, like you have to be so, so narrow against lingering souls. And there are a lot of decks trying to play lingering souls in the mid range matchups right now. Like um, I have, like the, the other issue with shadow is that you have like maybe eight threats in the deck um, with death shadow and gray angler or tasker. Uh, it's hard for you to really get to the board early unless you're running pretty well. And if you're running pretty well, like you might as well just play like a lot of other different decks, anyways. Um, but like the the deck definitely rewards tight play and metagaming. Um, but you can just lose to like poor deck building or not poor deck building, like poor metagaming.
4: Like 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 Rob said, it might just be a bad. <laughs> deck for this weekend. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I find that like you're you're kind of you're put in a situation where, you know, if you play out your shadow, it gets fatal push, and if you don't play out your shadow, it gets like thought seized. And if they're if they have lingering souls out, you basically need battle rage or you're dead. And I mean it's it, It it, it is a very good deck. Like, on day two, most of the games that I lost were to either flooding out or keeping, like, one land Serum Vision hands, and then, like, getting my mana too late. And these are things that happen. Like, I find that, well, one, like, I'm not going to, I'm not planning on going to Toronto for uh, a number of reasons, but one of them is definitely just, like, I find... I find like I've played a lot of modern and I find it's it's a bit of a spewy format. I find like it's it, it doesn't really matter that much. Like, you know, play whatever you want and some of it's your matchup and some of it's your draw. Even if it's even if you go against like a great matchup, you can still lose. Even if you go against a terrible matchup, you can still win. Like if you just like if if the modern gods are favoring you you know like uh i i mentioned that i played against like multiple decks i i, I on day two i lost to scred red wow you know, a deck i've never played against and <laughs> it it was so it was funny because he like he shot he was shuffling his deck and i saw a mountain but i didn't realize it was a snow covered mountain <laughs> <laughs> so like i kept a hand with two fatal pushes and then like <laughs> He plays, like, Snow-Covered Mountain, then he plays, like, a milestone, Stone, and I stubborn denial it. I Thought Seize him, and I take his Pia and Kieran Nalar, and then he just draws a Blood Moon and kills me. (laughs) Uh, You know, and and then game two was sort of similar. It was just, like... No, game two, it was hilarious, because I played a Death Shadow. I Thought Seized him. He had double Pia and Kieran Nalar. Um and, like, a Relic of Progenitus, which was irrelevant, so I took one of the PN Cure in the Lars. I had a disdainful Stroke in my hand, and a Stubborn Denial for his Blood Moon. So, he draws first turn, he plays Magus of the Moon. <laughs> <laughs> it wrecks you. <laughs> and, yeah, so I just, uh, then he, like, just played his, like, I, I would have won if I, like, I still had, uh, I actually had a basic Swamp in play, Okay. I still had Lightning Bolt and Culligan's commands and I had a bunch of ways to beat the Magus, but uh you know, I couldn't disdainful stroke anymore, so we played Pia and then he played like uh he played Chandra after that and he just ran away with the game. So It's just one of those things, like, yeah, you, you need to you need to run pretty good and uh if that's, if, like, the format's, it's still fun. Like, I, I enjoy it, but I don't, like, I've been playing it so much, and I kind of just need to break.
0: <laughs> All right. All right, Rob, thanks for coming on. We're going to let you uh, get some Zs. Thank and, you. Uh, thank you for uh, giving us some of your insight. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate yeah, you coming on.
4: To Toronto, uh, good luck. And uh, one of you take it down.
2: All righty. There will okay. be three GP champions in this chat if we all do this again next week. <laughs>
1: Derek, gonna... I think everyone's a GP. It's, it's GP Toronto three years in a row too.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna change my name to Rob. It's
4: happening on Thursday. Uh, happens, so come... we, all, we have to team for. Uh, the oh board. yeah! Rob. All right.
1: If Derek wins this GP Toronto, I'll team with the two of you for the
4: next GP Toronto. All right, we're locked. That'll... <laughs>
2: I told myself if I couldn't win the face open, I couldn't win the GP. So I actually don't you think remember. I'm a lock for it. Okay. Oh
4: yeah,
1: That's for sure. But we're, we're still, uh, we're still in on this deal.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. Right. Bye Rob. Bye. Okay. That was Rob Anderson, the surviving member of team first strike, at least uh, the PT team, uh, the first edition of the PT team. Uh, Death shadow. Um, Seems to be. Uh, e- even Rob agrees that it might not be the best choice heading into this weekend. Um, let's jump jump straight to a bunch of topics about modern. Some quick hits. Uh, Derek mentioned it already. The whole the, a lot of talk about maybe lantern. Uh, something lantern should be banned, um, which is a topic we revisit really often. Uh, Rob, Rob shakes his head. Uh, what do you think, Rob? Uh, some people think uh, that that the existence existence of a deck like lantern is good for the format.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, <clears throat> I don't think the existence of the deck is is good for the format. It's whatever. Like, people just want to play like some annoying garbage and it to be fringe. That, that's what like some people just want. So it could be any garbage fringe deck as long as it spikes here and there. They just like feel like it should exist, and that's that, that's fine. I guess they they can have that. But um, as far as, like, does something need to get banned from Lantern Control? I think that, uh, based on the PT results, the answer is a definitive no. (laughs) Um, The deck didn't have, like, an overwhelming, uh, like, just an insane performance. I think there were, like, nine people playing it, and I think only two people had, like, really, like, 80% win rate records, which is a good... Uh, performance for sure, but it's not like Eldrazi Winter or you know something crazy like that. So I think it's within bounds. It's like kind of as good as humans did, maybe a little bit worse. Um, it's kind of annoying for coverage, but that's more of a your opponent's an idiot problem, and he doesn't know that he's dead and won't just scoop it up. It's like I have a lantern of insight and, and three Mil rocks. Like <laughs> there's you know there's a zero percent chance you can win this game and. Uh, I really appreciate it from Jerry when, like, when uh, Salvato uh, kind of assembled that board okay, state. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I'm dead. And it was like, I don't know, turn five or something, right? He's like, I'm just dead. I'm not gonna win. He's like, he's asking, like, the table judge, like, am I allowed to scoop? <laughs> or do you have to watch the stupidity go on for 24 turns? Uh, and I'm glad that they let him scoop. That, that, was, that, was, uh, that was nice. Um, so, yeah, I don't think anything's going to happen to Lantern now. Like, I don't think anything's actually going to happen to Lantern ever, really. But I think that there's a bunch of cards in Lantern Control that are, like, on the banned watch list. And when they get cut for other reasons, likely because they should have been gone already, that Lantern will, will like, kind of have some side effect of, of that. So cards like Ancient Stirrings or Ensnaring Bridge or Mox Opal have been, like, you know, they've been dating the... the uh the ban list for quite a while now, and it, they haven't made a commitment to, to jump over it and stay there. But uh, they've been flirting quite heavily. I think Ancient Stirrings is probably the closest, uh, but I think Ensnaring Bridge is the most annoying.
2: Listen, if they ban a tune with Ether in Standard, they're gonna ban whatever that one mana green card is. That's it's Ancient that's, Yeah, that's, get rid of it. Get rid of it. It's gone. It needs to go. They banned two. I,
1: I don't major. think it's. I I think it's. There's. It's much more likely that there's going to be an unbanning or two, and then there probably won't be another banning until like the next Modern Pro Tour, unless something really, really like heavily changes in the makeup of the Modern meta game. Like if all of a sudden there's like twenty percent Lantern players, and they actually know what they're doing, and the deck is just like crushing people, then sure they're going to take action. I just think. Like even when Amulet was at its best, and that's what happened with like Amulet. A,
3: though.
1: Yeah, but it only had like an eight percent win rate. And the problem was that like, yeah, yeah, but... knew New was the best deck going into the PT, and they were going to ban Twin, so they had to ban uh, Summer Bloom because, like, if you ban Twin, like if you ban what's probably the best deck's Natural Predator, then you have to ban the what's probably the best deck, right?
2: I'm sure. I don't think they should have banned Twin, <laughs> but like. But I, they did, just, so that, that's but, why like, someone blew that cut. <laughs> I hate talking
3: about banning; It so just bothers me so much.
0: Like, why have you done this with Ed? Uh, Rob, I do want to bring back um, one last thing, though, to, to your point. Did you think uh, that Eggs was a great deck then? I felt it was mainly banned because it was bad and a bad experience to play against, which you could argue for, for Lantern as well. Yeah, the difference with
1: eggs, though, is that you actually have to watch your opponent go off because it's not, like, they can fizzle, right? And they can screw up, uh, whereas with, like, the Lantern deck, it's, like, very unlikely um, that that's going to happen. They have so much more control over... Like, if the Lantern player wants, they could probably just win game one every time uh, and it would almost take 50 rounds, right? Or, sorry, it would take 50 minutes because they could just, like, choose to only mill the relevant card uh, and then, like, loop back some garbage with Academy Ruins and just wait for you to, to die that way. Like, to really, they, if they really want, they can have almost 100% assurance that they're going to win. But a lot of people, like, they want to get to the next game and, and play the full three match set, right? So they're going to, like, mill extra cards that they don't need to. Whereas, like, with eggs, you know, your opponent kind of needs to do their thing and you need to watch it. I, I also think that Brian Kibler writing, like, AFK or whatever on that white piece of paper and sticking it on his playmat. Or F or, right he F six, I think. Um it was like, Can I go to the bathroom while my opponent goes off while they're in the feature match area? <laughs> I don't think that really helped X case in terms of coverage, to be fair. Because like you're you're not actually you're not involved in the process, right, as an opponent. Mm-hmm. Like at least with lantern, you're you are drawing cards. There's some mechanical actions for you to take. <laughs> you feel a little more involved in the in the game. Whereas with eggs, it's kind of like it's just hold on, bro. I'll let you know if you're dead in like fifteen to twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but like, nothing you can do
0: affects it in any meaningful way. Yeah, fair point. Um, let's wrap up this section a bit uh, to give our, our listeners a quick little wrap up of what you—not what you would play—because be, be, there's a lot of reasons uh, for not playing a deck, whether it be card availability, like like Goblin Lord being too expensive. But Rob, where's a few decks that you would recommend people bring? Like, name maybe two or three.
1: So I think uh, if you know what you're doing with Lantern, I think it it seems to be with Word of Invention and the way that uh, Salvato built the list. um, It seems to be solidly tier one in the hands of a capable uh, player. So if that is your style and you know how to play the deck, like I don't know if Sam Black is going to be attending GP Toronto, but I assume that if he is, he's going to... He's like my... my person to take it down. Like if I just guess like one person to take it down, it's Sam Black, Blind Lantern Control. Um, and if that's not your style, I think the the Mardu deck is like, okay. I think it's probably better than Obzon. Um, it's It seems like a natural predator to both Obzon and uh, and Grixis um, in terms of like being like kind of the king of mid range. But I think it's probably worse against like a, some aggro decks. Uh, like Burn, it seems, anyways. Um, And then if you want to play an aggro deck, I would probably play Humans. And Burn also seems fine, Um, especially if you can win some matches you're not supposed to on day one and kind of get into the winner's circle where, like, the Lantern and Mardu decks are playing. I think you have a, a pretty reasonable chance to kind of go on a hot run from there since you're... I feel like the deck is very favored. Uh, against what most people think the best decks in the format are.
2: Okay.
0: What about you, Derek?
2: Um, so I guess I would start with... Uh, like like I think there's a Jeskai Control deck with uh, Spell Quellers. That's good. And then I think Eldrazi Tron's actually a good choice, um, mostly because you can get under the Lantern players with uh, Chalice or an early Walking Blista. And I don't think they have answers to Walking Blister's in the main. Um, or you can just card them out. Like there are ways in Tron and Eldrazi Tron to just uh, like attack another part of the game that Lantern can't beat you in unless they have an early lock. And uh, I think we saw in some of the feature matches that that doesn't always happen. Um, so I think that would be sort of like going next next level. As for the black red deck, um, I don't know. Exactly what good matchups against that one is, other than like maybe like a, a Jeskai control deck. Like, I think Electrolyze is looking pretty good right now. Um, and some like, like Logic Nods basically counterspell. So, I feel like if you can ca- if you can Electrolyze the Young Mancer and uh, counter the Bedlam Reveler, you're in a pretty good position. So, I feel like some Jeskai deck or a Tron deck of some sort would be a decent choice this weekend. And then, like, you're trying to next, next. On the
1: electro- you're correct on the Electrolyze uh, plan. Like I, I played against the Mardu deck a lot with uh, with blue red, yeah, and like Electrolyze and a few counter spells. I, I mean, I that deck especially
2: you know. if you have like Young Pyromancer, and yeah. then like you have cards out of the board. Like if you want to draw more cards, like you can you can play Sphinx Revelation, you can play Wrath effects, you can play Plainswalkers.
1: so good against them,
2: right? And so is like four mana Jace. Like I think if you want to get real. Sticky, like four mana chase is looking pretty good. Um, and then, like, like what else was I going to say? I was going to say something that sounded like probably the smartest thing I ever said in my life. Can't remember what it was. Uh,
0: okay, I never mind. To
1: do from being yeah, on, never so mind.
2: Let us
0: know. Okay. <laughs> um, when we talked about coverage and, and how awesome it was, and how, uh, well, at least Rob said. I, I just talked about how awesome I thought Cheon was, and Rob mentioned how he felt like the, the whole team has improved. Um, and the talk was also about like, the first modern PT in a while, and the, the viewership was significant uh, to the point where now people are like, hey, maybe they should just cut draft and just have modern standard to maximize the viewership. Uh, Rob, well, what do you think about it? What do you think it's a struggle between like, a format that pros don't think is that skill as skill intensive but it's bringing in the viewers and and even as a competitive player that's that's good because in the long run that might bring higher cash prizes or or whatever like the 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 more popular it is, there is some benefit from in a different way for, for the competitive player so what do you think about all that
1: yeah so uh there's lots to unpack there um as, as far as the viewership goes, I think they, they reached, like, 40K. I don't know if they reached 50K. So it was, it, it was pretty impressive um, in terms of, like, number of people that actually tuned in, especially given, like, what time it was. <laughs> uh, but I think it kind of makes sense, right? Like, people that have been invested in Magic for a long time are like more likely to be interested in the modern format because they've been playing longer, they have more cards... And it's just kind of like there might be some nostalgia with Modern, because they was like, oh, these are cards I used to play, right? And now they're all I can play them all together. It's good. Like I I like the power level of Modern. It's just like the events are always standard, so it's kinda like who who cares about this format, right? I need to be playing much more standard, so I can't do this. But at the FNM level, uh where people are only gonna play once a week at their LGS, they can they just can play modern and then you care about standard. So given that You have this more enfranchised base that's interested in this format. It makes sense that the viewership numbers would be very high because I don't even know if, like, most standard players even know what the Pro Tour is or know that there's events, like, that are covered on Twitch, right? I mean, it's possible that they do, but I would find it very odd if there's modern players that don't know, uh, you know, all these details about pro magic and stuff like that just because they've been, like, around for so much longer, right? So I think it's, I don't know, it's weird. In that sense, um, do I think that there should be more modern PTs or more modern coverage that way at such a high level? Probably not. I think one a year is probably good. You don't want to start, like, actually having this incestuous metagame at the pro level for modern, because that's when players start to, like, really hive mind around certain archetypes, and then it makes the meta look a lot worse than it is. Um, and that'll lead to bannings, which is not what people want. So, yeah, I agree they want to watch it, but I'm sure they don't want to get all their favorite cards banned. So I think once a year is fine, so the pros don't have their lens on it the whole time, but it's still interesting to watch, and it'll be diverse because they'll all have kind of a different pulse on what they think is going on. Should they cut draft? Absolutely not. That's ludicrous. <laughs> well, he needs to, like, have some way to showcase the new set, and just because, like, a bunch of modern players don't draft, doesn't mean like other people didn't tune in for the draft portion, right? Like I tuned in for the draft portion and I saw there were like, you know, 9k or 10k other people that tuned in for the draft <laughs> portion. I'm like, yeah, more people are going to tune in for modern, but uh, there's, I don't know, other people like other things. Um, I think the pros would very much just like a, a split pro tour format. That's two constructed uh, formats put together. That's very, very hard to prepare for.
0: Derek, what do you think? You agree with Rob?
2: Uh, Not exactly. I didn't watch any of the draft. I watched only the modern. (laughs) I'm gonna be honest. I have not been playing a lot of limited lately. I play mostly constructed, and I just find like deck building is a lot more interesting, especially for modern. And um, until until they start actually breaking down all 15 picks of all players at the top eight tables, where I can actually figure out what the best deck was, what's this, what's that, like I find watching a draft is not very good for me because I'm not playing a lot of limited mostly. And because like, it's just not, it's not as fun of a game of magic. Like I I can tune in and not know what's going on in modern. Like if I have been watching any modern, like I can at least know just by looking at a board state or like figure out the next couple turns where that doesn't happen in limited. And like, I feel like what Rob said that there has to be limited events for them to showcase the new set. Is very important, um, but I also think that they didn't showcase standard this weekend, and so them not showcasing the new set and standard is also a deterrent to them. So I think like if you have a, like maybe only during the modern Pro Tour you have a standard instead of draft, so you can like showcase the new cards, and then when you have a standard Pro Tour you have draft instead of modern. But uh, I don't know if limited's there to stay, especially thinking about like the the viewership hike. Uh, It's just, like, that's what they're looking to do, in my opinion. That's what they've been giving off, right? They want more viewers. They want more people playing. They want more people watching the Pro Tour. More revenue, more pros, blah, blah, blah. It's top-down stuff, so... The quality, though, of, like, the decks,
1: if you have a double-constructed Pro Tour, decreases so significantly. Just, like, think about
2: us prepping for it. Like,
1: how many times do we change our mind?
2: Just in standard, right? They already tried to deter quality. Like... Just look at the last standard pro tour. It's, it's, it's almost like they have no idea what's going on. They don't want pros to break the format early. So if they put two constructed formats together, then it, if they're assuming that <laughs> the decks are going to be bad, bad. and it's great. Yeah, yeah. And then Wizards, it's <laughs> like, everybody can play Magic and have fun now because the bad decks, people think the bad decks are good. It's like them not releasing information, right? Like they just want people to play bad things so the format doesn't get solved. I should just work for Wizards. I, I solved it. Look, oh my it's god, over. this is miserable.
1: I, so I think that draft <laughs> coverage is something they, they've been working on but haven't really they focused on other parts of coverage first and I think all those parts are like being done well now and I think that they're going to turn their focus towards uh, draft. Like the uh, the last limited GP, they changed it up a little bit on day two where they were focusing a lot more on the draft portion for more players and then they were kind of speeding through some of the matches in a more, uh, in a more useful way to kind of just give you the gist of what's going on, which was, I'll note, a recommendation that we had here in First Strike podcast. But um, I, I think that they'll, you know, they'll probably try that for the PT once they kind of work out the kinks at the GP level. I think that'll in- improve it quite a bit because, like, yeah, you do want to see more of the drafting portion and you want to see the players talk more about their decks and their decisions. Uh, and less, uh, it's, it's less interesting to see how the games actually play out. Um, because it's, you know, there's just a lot less excitement there, right? Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, a lot less decisions I, to be made I out. agree what they're trying out with the new Grand Prix formats good, but at the same time, like, I just don't find limited and interesting right now and they're not really making it too interesting for me. Derek, so. Tell me
1: how your PCQ went. What format was it? And what did you finish?
2: <laughs> what I just take okay. off my headset and just like, like, like what? <laughs> hey, what are you going to do what are you going to do Game
0: saying story let's go <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we're going to wrap up that show with the, the, both of those things uh, Rob would you be surprised though if like they, they they've made many announcements in the past that have shocked the world if they're like no more limited ad PTs would you be completely flabbergasted yeah, yeah, I
1: would be I would be very surprised. I think it like more likely they just go back to a 4 PT standard, like every PT is standard with limited. Um and they take like their yearly master set or whatever and just make that like a modern or legacy PT or something. Okay. Cuz then like that's usually a big set release too. There's not a lot going on. It's like in the summer or whatever and they can kind of like just drop that in there and and now it's you know, this is your yearly modern PT or maybe it's called something else or whatever. It's the Modern Masters, you know, tournament or something. I don't know. And they have this stupid Modern Masters set release to go along with it. <laughs> just call it a day. I, Las Vegas. Me, it makes it's the most sense to me, I guess. Yeah, I just have it in Vegas every year. I don't know. That would be pretty fancy, I think. They can have like a whole convention around it. Like they have the GP and the the Modern Pro Tour and like this huge convention all, all at the same time.
2: I don't know. Yeah, I think we just solved it. We figured it out. Yeah, Rob, you can cosplay. It'd be great. What do you think your um, cosplay would be? I
1: don't know. Is there like a fat, balding gnome or something I can.
2: There might I be mean? a dad in magic. Is there a dad <laughs> in magic? <laughs>
0: it's possible. I'll give some shout outs to people I haven't, I've have never seen or, or comment in the chat. Foghorn, shout outs to you uh, for. for you know, Come on in, joining in. Uh, if you like the show so far, please show your support. Give us a thumbs up on the YouTube video. And we'll jump from modern, all the modern, straight to standard or standard online PTQ that people want us to talk about. Because, of course, at least uh, right now, I know that a lot of people are grinding PPTQs in the Montreal area, and I'm sure it's it's just a standard PPTQ season. I actually took um, Brian's deck, Sultan's deck, to a PPTQ. Did terrible, played really bad. Um, watched, tried to just, like, I stayed up, just didn't have time to test the deck, so I stayed up, watched Derek's games uh, that he posted on com. But, the like, he won game one because the guy was done with his league, so he wanted to concede. And then, like, every other match, it just seemed like the opponent just was either playing a really bad deck or just, like, didn't have a really good draw. So, actually, and, but talking to to... Uh, Xavier, one of my friends who tested the deck in Leagues, he liked it. I know Brian still loves the deck. Uh, Derek, it sounds like you thought the deck was good, but while watching the games, I just felt like the deck felt, like, the matches you played just felt like limited games of magic. You're just playing dumb dudes, Um, you have a few expensive removal spells, and you have a bomb, Scarab God, and if you don't have Scarab God, you just have a lot of Dumb guys, it just doesn't seem like your payoff is that high. Like, am I crazy, Derek? Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. In a in like a
2: in a sense, I agree. Um, I think like the basis of the deck is exactly what I want to be doing in Magic. It's just like a fair game plan. I'm playing a two drop. I'm playing a three drop. I get to my bomb. I win the game. And the deck does that. It's playing like twelve uh Elvish Visionaries or something, right? Like. You have the, the draw card, lose a life. You have the explore dude. You have the, the dark confident energy guy. And then you have like scared of God. So like, that's exactly what, what I want to do. I just want to draw cards and play a big threat. Like, I just love it. And you're, you're right. Like none of my opponents really did anything. And like, uh, I actually played, I, I didn't hit record the one time, but I, uh, I played Ben Sec in the, the last round of that league. And I forgot to hit record and he was on Grixis. And that was actually the closest matchup I played. There's multiple times during the match where if he had like a Torrential Gearhulk, it's a lot closer. But because he didn't have Torrential Gearhulk exactly on turn six, I won the match. Um, So like, I think the deck is built to beat uh, Grixis. Like you have the either Sphere Harvesters, they block Glorybringer really well. They attack in the air. uh, like So they beat the Thopters, they beat Mono Red you have them for other good decks. Like it's good against um, white blue because the, the only way they'd be is either sphere harvester is settle the wreckage. And so I think there's a lot of play to the deck. Um, it definitely needs to be tuned and there needs to be a lot more sideboard work going in. But I think like it's neck and neck with Grixis for two of the better decks in the format right now, mostly just because scare God's insane.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just felt like that's, yeah, that's the reason to play the deck. I was just like, Wow. This card is so powerful, while every other card... Um, I had my doubts looking at the deck list uh, a Champion of Wits, but then playing the deck, I can now understand why you, Andy, uh, have been hyping the card so much, because that um, is, I guess, the late-game bomb, because bomb, you're drawing four, that the deck outside of Scare God, so it felt like the deck had more power when I had Champion, so... Um, but... I just... Eh. Cause I'm usually not. I know they draw you a card, Derek. I'm just not. Um, I don't like decks that generally have a lot of these. Like, uh, let's door-doms. Say, they have dornums. They have little dornums. Like some, like even Brian says, like he 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 cuts Matadorks because they're bad off the top, right? And sometimes some of these cards feel that way. Um, like, like I mean, like, it's, it's, like
2: it's no Sahili, but like I yeah I I was talking to Brian. I'm like maybe we should play servant. And he's like, I, I have a no bad top deck rule. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, let's you get to Scare of God earlier. You can just cast kind of Scare of God. You draw cards uh, off sleeve. Like, let's go.
1: You have four champion, right? In the deck? Yeah, I think I so, f- yeah. I think playing Servant's fine. Like, you just loot it away, right? You have to loot away something, so but I don't know. Listen, It's not
2: my deck list. Brian shipped it. I'm not allowed to change the it. list. no.
1: No. I don't know the the no, the bad top decks doesn't make a lot of sense when you have um, when you have like uh, looters in your deck. I think. Yeah, I'm
2: not going to speak for Brian. You can argue with him another time. Uh, <laughs> I'll yell at him next time we have a new ticket.
0: Yeah, maybe he'll be at Toronto. Is is there any yeah. argument to play four gods, uh, Derek, or is that always bad? Uh, uh, I was having this discussion with somebody else
2: because I don't like three gods. I like two gods. But they said if, they have, if your opponent's playing Vraska's Contempt, which yeah. if your opponent's probably like a reasonable player, they'll play a black deck with Vraska's Contempt. You just, like, you can't, you probably can't win if you don't have Scarab God in the mirror. So you just need to play um, more cards that resemble Scarab God in Planeswalkers or right. just play more Scarab Gods. And so it's entirely possible that you want four uh, or just a fourth in the board somewhere because the card's just so powerful, right?
0: Yeah, I just feel like it's the reason to play the deck. <laughs> so um, but anyway, let's go let's go straight to the uh, PTQ results that was won by Mono Red. And uh, we had talked about I think last week about the pirates version, a more one-drop heavy that came from I believe the SCG team constructed. But what we're seeing in in it was a Mono Red mirror in the finals. What we're seeing is a more traditional Mono Red that that we're used to seeing. Uh, Derek no surprises for you. Bind's Not proof, really.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's still like week one of standard, right? Technically, like nobody's, like, nobody's testing for the PT. And you see more often when you have uh, formats that are uh, either control-based or aggro-based, like the aggro decks win the first couple weeks, and then people figure out the right mid-range uh, contraption. So I feel like this week, maybe even next week, like Mono Red will you'll see it. If there's an SUG going on or if there's a, a PTQ going on, you'll see it.
0: Mono Red. Hmm. Rob, Rob, have you taken a look at the results? Any surprises for you? We had Grixis Energy in third. Uh, actually, Mono Red took the three out of... No, no, this was a uh, red-black aggro deck in fourth place.
1: Mono Red pretty much killed it, though. Or like red-based aggro which I think is kind of just how standard has been (laughs) for a long time. Like when the format's developing and everyone's trying to do new things uh, and fun stuff and the control decks really don't know what the threats are, you can, if you just like build a well-tuned, you know, red based aggro deck, if that's, if that is, if the cards are there for that deck to be good, um, you know, you'll have reasonable results. It seems (laughs) that's been standard for like the last year, I think, or so. Uh, at least since Saheeli was gone. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know. R.I.P. Uh, R. R. Sahili. It, it seems like the banning's really didn't do much to affect Mono Red, um, which isn't a surprise. Like I think that uh, Ferocidon was something that was like squeaking in there as a necessity based on some other decks, but given that like the energy deck was also taken down a notch, I don't think the Ferocidon banning really hurts Mono Red. Like I'm sure they don't want to lose Ramunap Ruins, but whatever. Uh it's not like you, you always got ruins out. It's just like help them ensure that the blue black deck has a zero percent chance of, of being able to kill
0: you. Um and for um, wasn't even played necessarily played in the main, right? So a lot of these yeah, main exactly. decks just, just didn't change.
1: Yeah, on crop crasher is also still a beating, so <laughs> um it still has the same kind of nut draw that it has it's had since since Amonkhet came out, which is like Bow oh, Mat into Earth. Uh, Earth Shaker Chandra, Chandra yeah, into, into Monocarp um, Crusher, yeah, like
2: or whatever, yeah, or Chandra, yeah, like it's, uh, it happens. Ugh. I can't, like, I'm just still so upset that they banned those cards in standard because Mono Red is just still busted,
0: it's unbelievable. I also, yeah. our listeners, like, uh, mess with the metal red version, Derek. Did you run into that? Do you think that is a legitimate version, or you, you would just play the straight version?
2: I did run into it. Um, I find that unless your opponent's playing a lot of X ones, the like metal red is just really bad.
0: Uh, like, ouch. <laughs> sorry, I, Jeff. Uh, sorry, Jeff, in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you, you need to attack
2: with three creatures to flip it. And the, when the card ETBs, it, if it's not impacting the board immediately, like you're just discarding a card. And then if you can't flip it, you're not getting any value. And if you're not flipping it, you're not attacking anyway. So if you're not attacking, like you're not advancing your game plan. And then what do you do? You just discard a bunch of cards. Like, I'll all the six every game. Sure, whatever. My mana's worse. <laughs> Sorry.
3: <laughs>
0: I love it. Um, so, so if you were playing uh, this weekend, would you just run back uh, this First Strike Soul tie list? Would you play Mono Red? If you had some um, tournament, to play. It, would probably, it would probably
2: be Saltai. It, I would have to play a bit more to tune the deck exactly. Um, I don't think, like, I, I feel the mana in uh, Grixis is really bad um, to the point where, like, you almost can't play Bringer. If you're not playing Glorybringer, you can't, like, play Chandra or you have to choose between the two. Um, and so, like, if I don't want to play Glorybringer or Chandra, like, I'd rather just have consistency in green or just beat down with Mono Red. Like, I think those are the two. Choices for the most part, right now at least, like, and I don't know if that's changing anytime soon.
0: Okay. So I would recommend anyone that is playing to really check out the the modal results, and uh, hopefully we're going to link those in. Um, let's let's do one more quick topic, I guess, just our quick comments. Other, uh, they announced uh, an, another update for their uh, FNM promos. We heard your. Feedback loud and clear, starting with the Neria on April 27. We'll be returning to Friday Night, Night Magic promos, being non token cards from standard legal sets. While the experiment with special premium tokens was aimed at fostering a fun, inclusive environment for Friday Night Magic, the real world results did not match our expectations. That coupled with the community's feedback led us to change back. Plus, we've got some cool cards coming up that look great as promos. We'll show them as we get closer to April 27. So people just didn't care about double-sided tokens. I didn't imagine Rob cared at all either way. But uh, I guess not. Not surprised that they reverted back.
1: I, I don't know. It's just so weird. Like they're like, oh, I, I don't know. I hope they didn't use like standard attendance for FNM or FNM attendance as like a metric for whether or not people liked the double-sided tokens. And they also printed a bunch of double sided, like because standard and limited were both garbage, right, for the last three months. Um, So, like, hopefully they didn't use those metrics as a way to draw their conclusions, because those would be, uh, I don't know, poorly found results that
3: they happened
2: to make the right move. I think in the article, one of the reasons they they stated that they uh, with the new way they're going to be testing the new promos will hopefully be closer to tier one. So like like, we had like fatal push. Yeah, yeah. So we had Fatal Push, and we had Ether Up, and then we had like a bunch of like really bad cards, right? I think part of what they're what they're doing is trying to recognize where like, like people complaining. I'm not going to play this promo. Why am I getting it? Or like I'm only coming to FNM for Fatal Push this month and never again, right? So they're like trying to drive Friday Night Magic, basically. Um, so hopefully they actually hit the nail on the head and print some good promos, but I don't know. I- We'll see.
1: I mean, like the thing is they're like, oh, we're gonna bring a bunch of standard promos back to you, and it's kind of like, I don't know, like, why do they have to be st- a? Why do they have to be standard promos? Like, they, <laughs> how popular was FNM when they had like Serum Visions and Path? Path, Path was really popular.
2: Way.
1: Yeah, we had so a, we had a lot of people. It's like there's just a lot of card choices. Like even doing something wacky like. Lantern of Insight is like kind of interesting, right? Like I don't know, just don't talk about that
2: card. No one don't speak about that card.
1: I mean it's just it's just a thing that you could do, right? you could do lingering souls again. Uh Young Pyromancers and Uncommon, right? Like they could do that. There's just like a lot of cards that are, are useful. I don't think they should restrict themselves to standard. Like I think it's fine putting standard cards as FNM promos. And you would pick the good ones, right? Like I would be surprised if unclaimed territory was not one of these FNM promos because it's like a $5 land that gets played in both standard and modern. Like, yeah, it should be an effort. That's a very good target for an infinite promo. I think it already it was a promo for something though, wasn't it? Who cares? Like, it's just, it's still $5. I think it was like a league promo. What, what, what is, what is that? What is, what were the leagues? Like, did anyone go? I, even- I don't even. I only play moto. I was like, go Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not, the, it's not the kind of league I play, <laughs> but uh yeah, like they should do that. Like, Hub was $10. Fatal Push was another good good selection. Like, I don't know what else in Standard I'd pick at the uncommon slot that's like. Harness so Lightning? Harness Lightning would have been good. So would have been good. I agree. Uh, like, World of Virtuoso, Rogue Refiner. Yeah, but those cards are like. Like, maybe a Braid. Like, a Braid's a reasonable.
2: A Braid was a Game like, Day like, promo. Like, that. The Texas oh, one. Oh, yeah, the, the Texas one. You're the right. The Borderless You're one was good. Like, I thought that was a good choice, but, like, there's also, like, when they're not having game day, like, those months where we're getting, like, I don't even know what the cards are. Like, that's how bad they were, (laughs) right? I know There's not really a lot of great choices for standard, I feel. Like, a lot
1: of it's, like, very bulky commons that have been around for a long time, or rares.
2: Like, they could always just print promo lands, like, full art promo lands. Like, who doesn't like those, you know? That'd be fine. I agree. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like
1: we're gonna get like cast out in excellence binding and a bunch of garbage like that. And like, who cares, you know?
2: Hey, somebody it's, loves those. Right. But
1: they could be printing twenty dollar young pyromancers. Yeah, yeah. But on. your trash yeah. is another person's treasure. Like, just is that how it works? Let the it just have their fun. It's another person's trash. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. There seems to be some mentality around like if we create really expensive promos, then all the good players will want to come and play, and that'll drive out like the noobs. I don't know. So, <laughs> It's weird. <laughs> but whatever. whatever. We'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. But I, I think this announcement is like
2: a wash. Like, they're taking cards no one cares about. And I, I don't think no it's a wash. I think it's great. I think them recognizing that they made a mistake and saying something about it is way more important than what they're actually doing. Uh. I, I don't know. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. I'm right. Somebody
1: mark that down in the book. Derek's sure, right. Get- Derek's got a point.
0: <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> First PTQ loser, Derek. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, we're all can't swear part. on the show. Uh, <laughs> oh, Rob, Rob Anderson apparently forgot about that. Um, <laughs> he, he was so uh, struck at <laughs> from the PT, so shocked that uh, he just had to drop an F-bomb there. Um, well, uh, actually, one thing I, I forgot to ask your opinion on, Rob, uh, for modern one cool thing, one interesting thing that uh, while watching Corey Burkhardt, uh, Team Face-to-Face Games member, uh, do a deck tech on his Grixis control deck uh, for Modern, which did really well. Uh, it was, how many points did it get? It was, I mean, Jerry I had guys- the best Modern version. Yeah, Jerry ended up 9 and I think Corey was like 8-2 or something. And in the deck tech, he mentioned how he had cut, I think he cut completely uh Serum Visions from his deck because he felt like there wasn't he felt like he needed more room for more awesome cards. I guess post cyborg. What do you think about that? Like I think it's one of those like sacred cows. Like we haven't seen four Serum Visions not be a staple in a lot of these control decks. I'm
1: just gonna fact check the Serum Visions omission first. <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: I like a lot of Yeah, he uh, like, did he did cut it. He did cut The Death it. Shadow um, decks are also some of them cut four serum visions for uh for Mishra's bobble, um just like no ops, no visions, just bobble, which was Whoa. like also I found very interesting.
3: Whoa.
1: Yeah. So uh, I I think so it it is weird and it is one of the sacred cows. But if you think that like affinity and humans are going to be like the most represented decks and you're going to play against them quite a bit, there's not. Like, if you're on the draw against humans, and I played a lot of blue-red, and I played a lot of blue-red against humans, and every time the matchup is real rough. I had to have, like, six or seven cards on my sideboard before I felt like that matchup was starting to swing in my favor. And it's, like, two Anger of the Gods, two Kozilek's Return, and a Braid, and two Sun Droplets, or whatever that card's called. I (laughs) was like, isn't that what it is? Is Sun Droplet? Yeah, Yeah, I'm pretty (laughs) sure. You don't even know what it's called. (laughs) Sun something. Uh, and Magic Online makes me very bad with the names because I stop. I just only look at the bad art. Anyways, um, the uh, like, anyways, yeah. So, so like when you see your visions on the draw against them, and they're just like champion or Vile go, and you're like, yeah, fetch serum visions, and then they untap, and they're like Thalia and like uh, Noble Hierarch or something like that, or like Thalia, some other dork, um, and they untap again, and they just cast a mantis Rider or whatever. Just, it's like so hard to get the relevant threats off the board, because like, sure, you have to, you, on turn two you have to choose between like, do I bolt Thalia or do I bolt that, what now is a 3-3 champion, right? And you're like, okay, well I'll bolt the champion. They play the Mantis Rider and you, now you have like, Snapcaster and Electrolyze in your hand, neither of which you can play, because they both cost 4 mana to you and then you're just dead. Like the next turn, you're just dead. You, you kill a Thalia in the High arc and they just like, uh, you know, play like a Thalia's Lieutenant and like copy it with phantasmal image and it's just ggs so like you just don't have time you need to like pass with your mana up uh and like when they play the champion on turn one you have to bolt it uh or um or uh or fatal push it so like yeah i agree like you just need a bunch of one mana interaction or other instant speed cards right so i see he has thought scour that's mostly to power out his task and snap yeah, against mages and
2: flips. He her. has cards like Spell Snare and Counter Squall that also just wouldn't do anything against humans, right? Oh what? no, Spell Snare is great against humans. When they do not okay, have never mind. Around. Never mind. I, I <laughs> was getting it mixed up with something else. But like well, Counter Squall.
1: <laughs> yeah, Counter, Counter Squall
2: is pretty anymore. pretty weak against them, but like, it's Like two, it's- it's- two well, search for his canta, you know, like
1: I just yeah, I mean, like, this is the kind of thing where he's just like, okay, I'm going to put in these other cards that are, like, reasonable against mid-range and control decks, and I'm going to make it so that, you know, I have, like, four Lightning Bolt and two Fatal Push and so that I'm, like, reasonable against the aggro decks. I think this is an okay game plan if you think that it's a very creature-heavy um, aggro meta, which, you know, the Pro Tour was for the most part. So it's not, not too unreasonable, but I mean, this is why people, like, Corey are, like, very, very good with archetypes like Grixis, right? Where they kind of, like, actually understand how (laughs) matchups play out and why they're winning or losing. it's like, oh, I'm always losing to the stupid humans deck because I'm dirtling around with these one-mana sorceries. And, like, I don't have time to be doing this garbage. What if I do something weird and just play more removal at the one-drop slot Um, instead of, like, playing less removal and more card filtering, Right. And he probably had to go up in land count to support this, right? Yeah. He's playing yeah. 25 lands. So, I mean, he made sacrifices for it, but four of them were Field of Ruins. So it I, of yeah, like, like a Field of
2: Ruin is basically like, a spell against Tron, right? It's basically a spell against Balakut. Like, yeah. it, it's really good.
1: I don't recommend this list in any meaningful way, but I think, like, the thought that went into it is very well thought out and very well planned and obviously, you know, was a, a reasonable choice for the P.T., given how the, kind of, the metagame shaped up. But like this is kind of like when John Finkel plays Storm, and he's the only one in the tournament that does well with it. It's like, is Storm good, or is John Finkel just a Storm Master? You know, I don't know.
2: Finkel came ninth in <laughs> this PT with Tron. Yeah, I was very disappointed we, when I saw can him. Can we talk, talk about how insane Finkel is? Oh my gosh! I <laughs> just had to get that out. <laughs> he was playing Tron? Yeah.
1: Mono Green Tron, if I remember correctly.
0: It was a quiet. Was it a quiet ninth? I, I didn't see. Well, I didn't. I was going in and out of coverage, so I, I didn't hear about this storyline.
2: Seventh and eighth were had the same record as Finkel. He,
0: okay. so he
2: like got squeaked out by like a couple percentage points on breakers. Like it was close. So I, I think if he was.
1: plays form at this tournament, because he didn't even do good in constructed. I think he was like seven three or worse. If he plays Storm at this tournament, like, does he just win it? Maybe. Right? I, I think Storm's a bad deck. Like, but I think it was kind of okay like given how the top 8 shaped up.
0: Yeah, it was, <laughs> he was 3% away from Manguchi. Yeah, that's uh, insane.
3: That's yeah. insane.
0: And Yuya also had the same record. Of course, so, so did Corey Burkhart, which we just talked about. on his list okay so story time well sort of um Derek how did your weekend go um did you you know you played a sealed btq was the format challenging or is it what everyone's talking about a really crappy format and you just go with your tribe uh yeah I
2: mean I I think my deck was pretty good uh I like I lost the round so I went 8-1 um, I technically went 7-1. I got, I got really lucky in the last round. I'll, I'll tell that in a second. Um, the only time I lost was to this really good Vampires deck with very heavy removal. So I had Carnage Tyrant and Galta in my deck. Wow. And then I had like the 5-mana the 3-3 three, three that brings a 3-3 three, three friend. So the only match I lost, my opponent played the 3-mana Thoughtseize. Thoughtseized my Carnage Tyrant. I played Galta the following turn they killed it, and then I drew four lands in a row and lost. Every other game I resolved Delta or Carnage Iron, I just won the match. <laughs> so, like, the format's pretty uh, bomb-heavy. Like, my, one game my opponent played a Tetsubok against me in four, five for one to me, and I wow. beat them because I, like, they drew just bricked off afterwards. Like, I drew a 6-6 six, six Dinosaur, and they just had a Tetsubok and then I went wide and got pretty lucky. Um, but yeah, like, if, if I didn't have a, a Galta or a card, like if I had won less of those cards that were dinosaurs, like I would have just lost. Uh, so it's, it's very bomb heavy, and your tribe basically has to be pretty good.
0: And then top eight is, is, was draft as usual?
2: Yep, it was draft. Um, like Rob said at the PT, I think black's the best color. Right, uh, but right, the right. only time I've drafted this set was a team draft, and I went 03. So I don't really know that much about the set. Um, pack 2, I, I recorded it. It'll be up on Mana Deprived. Um, I'm pretty sure I drafted incorrectly. There's a lot of very close picks that I didn't actually know uh, due to my inexperience. But Pack 2, I opened a Tetsunok and thought it wasn't red and went in the tank for the entire, like, three minutes to see if I should take it. And I ended up taking it. Um <laughs> And yeah, like pack three, uh, three Shaper of Nature went through me along with um, a couple other like good blue and green spells. And I was sort of like, didn't really know what I should have been drafting at that point, uh, just from inexperience. But yeah, I lost the finals and felt pretty awful afterwards. And we, we could have won this PTQ. You're an idiot. I'm one for one or I'm one for two. Like 50% is a about- bad Bad, right? Also, All the right. other one I won was seven rounds. This one was nine. So.
0: You're 0 you're o for, for
2: X when <laughs> you don't
0: consult me on deck lists. <laughs> after, after you drafted your deck, Derek, did you feel like you had a chance to win, or did you feel like, oh, I, I got to get lucky? Like, what was your, your well, feeling? Like, my, uh, my first pick, pick one, pack one, was Galta again. Okay, so you're so like, bang.
2: Yeah, like I have a bomb. Um, I can pick what colors I want.
3: Uh, I'm like the people in my draft I didn't really recognize
2: except for one guy um, AA dude He uh, he's a streamer and does like only limited um, and he was across the table from me so I felt like as long as I sucked my colors and drafted properly like shipped the cards I didn't want to take and pick the cards that I needed just like basic signaling like I would do fine um, I posted the deck on Twitter it was I'd say it's probably a 6 or 7 out of 10. And, like, you can 3 out a draft with a 4. i have 3 out drafts with 4. I just got a little lucky. Um, I definitely think the deck I lost to was the best deck in the draft. Um, And I also think that, uh, like, my deck stumbled. Uh, I had some high variance cards, and I just drew them at the wrong time. And I think I also might have played a little poorly or drafted poorly. Like, these things happen, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, next time, um, Rob, Rob, let's let's get we're gonna time stamp this so uh, people who just wanna hear his story don't have to like listen to the whole pod. Uh, what's this Gabe Sang story? This is a great I, story. I don't
1: even know how A, I don't know how Derek knows about this story. And B, <laughs> it was such an obscure thing to bring up
2: that uh, it's very weird talking but about this it was, like, you're, you're like rubbing in my face that I lost the finals of a PTQ. And this story is you losing the finals of a PTQ. Nah,
1: yeah, but
2: that was 20 years ago. <laughs> this was yesterday. What's your point?
0: What's funny is, like, I've met David Rude once, and I know he, he, he was a legend of, of Canadian magic, like, way before I jumped into the scene. Um, met him once, and I'm not even his Facebook friend, and he commented on the thread about the show and shared the posts. So we gotta hear the story. Dave Rude... <laughs> Dave Rood, um moved to Brantford to play poker at the casino.
2: And I'm from Brantford. And so he, like, we're friends. And so he probably saw me commented and then saw, like, Gabe Sang's name. And he won a PT with Gabe Sang and Gabriel Nassif, like, 20 years ago, right? Back when, like, Gabe Sang and Dave Rood were, like, legends of magic in southern Ontario. So, like, it's just hilarious that all these things come together. And Rob lost a PTQ to Gabe Sang at the age of 16. Yeah. And also yeah. lost... Also lost finals to Paul Dean once.
1: <laughs> okay, you. Yes, uh, I talked one. Okay. So, thanks, Rory. Yeah. So uh, yeah, this is a long, 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 long time ago. Uh, it was like for a PT New York in 1999. Wow. And um, That was 14. The format was extended, <laughs> I think. And I was pretty new to like actual real competitive Magic. It might be my first PTQ. Sure. If sure. I remember correctly. But I played a lot of FNM before that, so you know I was prepared. Gotta get those uh, promos, you know?
2: <laughs> Gotta love those promos.
1: Uh, I don't, were we getting promos back in the day? I don't even know if we were getting promos. I was just getting credit to buy Mox Diamonds and stuff. Deranged to tournaments. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I played... Uh, in Extended, I was a pretty avid mono-red player. I had a, a lot of success while lightning people and casting Fire Blast and Lightning Bolt, since those cards are... Real busted. Uh, I do miss Fire Blast, to be fair. Um, and yeah, I uh, I ended up going, like, X1 in the tournament. Um, I beat uh, a guy playing ne- like, Mono Black Necro, which was, like, a miserable match for me at that time, because they had, like, Contagion, by naming the top three cards in my deck. He was like, I think I have you. And I was like, I'm going to draw this, this, and this as my only outs. And I drew them in the sequence, I named them. And he said that I was the best player he'd ever seen. I was just like, <laughs> some sack kid. He probably felt miserable. He was like, actually good. This guy is actually good. He's just like, this idiot played Fire Blast. Just named the top three cards of his deck in the exact order he needed to win. It was like, who was is like ball-lading, ball-lading, Fire
3: Blast. Who yeah, is was, this kid?
1: So who then, uh, so yeah, I played Gabe Sang. I can't remember if it was the top four of the finals. I think it was just top four. Um, I'm pretty sure it was the finals. Yeah. Okay i was Derek there apparently knows more than i do he was there uh or maybe not born yet not 100 percent anyways <laughs> uh yeah we went to three and in the third game i had brought in uh i think i brought in bombs in the second game but he just rolled me so gabe saying he's playing a real deck because he's like a real magic player at this point and <laughs> the deck he's playing is called tricks i don't know like do you know what that deck is came with here we play them
0: uh I don't I don't I I don't think so. I've heard of the name. It's,
1: probably, it's like the most broken deck, but like for its time, it was like one of the more broken decks that Magic had seen. So it was playing like Demonic Consultation, Mana Vault, Lotus Petal, Dark Ritual, Necropotence, um, some other random garbage like Force of Will and uh and what was the card, the wind card? It was called uh, illusions of grandeur, I
2: think. Illusions of grandeur donate,
1: yeah, you, and donate you, right. You yeah. gain so, twenty <laughs> life,
2: and then you lose twenty life if you can't. Yeah, up.
1: illusions of grandeur is a blue enchantment. It's three and a blue. When it comes into play, you lose twenty life, and it has cumulative upkeep two. <laughs> and so the the deck basically like plays illusions on like you know turn one or two or turn two and just donates it to you basically with like lotus petal and Manifold and dark ritual. Um, and so it has like a very easy to. Tur- Effective turn two kill, and when it doesn't do that, just like Dark Ritual Necropotence draws whatever it needs to assemble the combo the next turn, and then just kills you. And it also has like Demonic Consultation, which is like one of the more broken cards ever to to make its way into a Magic deck. so it's just like black, find the card you need to win. Um, so yeah, so I I, I cast Bottle Gnomes on turn three, and I sacked it to go up to twenty three. So he had to double uh, illusions me to uh, to win. And in his demonic consultation for... I forget if it was for illusions or for donate. He flips three uh, illusions. So he, like, can't win. I'm at 23. Um, he can only do 20 to me. And I'm like, okay, I just need... I'm, I'm going to stuck on land. I'm like, I have two land in play. And he's at, like, 50 or 40 or whatever it was, right? Because he, like, gains 20 life. So I'm on a red deck. He gets to gain 20 extra life. But I feel like he can't win. <laughs> so Gabe saying the master... Uh, is also taking one damage a turn off of his Mana Vault, and eventually he finds Donate, and me being, like, because I wasted all my luck against the mono black Necropotence guy in the round before, obviously, right? By just naming, like, Ball Lightning, Ball Lightning, Fire Blaster, whatever it was. Wasted all your luck? You won a Grand Prix! I I wasted all my luck at that tournament. You missed a land draw! Doesn't matter. (laughs) So, uh, I'm also playing a bunch of extra lands, like Dwarven Miner and Wasteland and stuff on my deck. Um, And he, he finds Donate and donates me a tapped Mana Vault. And then I still fail to find the fourth land to untap it. And I, the turn that I would have drawn the untapped land so that I got untap the thing was the turn that I, I died. Uh, and yeah, he did three damage to me with a tapped Mana Vault. And it was savage. Um, and they, you know, the coverage people uh, thought that it was interesting enough that they put the story into Inquest magazine. What? It yeah. Made it to
2: Inquest, <laughs> yeah, because he's yeah. such a savage victory. My PTQ is just on a podcast. Yours is an Inquest magazine. It's immortalized in print. <laughs> wow. Oh, uh, let's tell the Paul Dean. But he, deserves, the PTQ he
1: deserves. That, now. He deserves that. He deserves that win, anyways. He definitely. Uh, he definitely got me. He found. He found the line when there was no line to be found.
0: Wow. Was oh, like bad, then? right? It's not that you played bad. Uh no, I just didn't hit 4 mana. <laughs> yeah, you just didn't. Hit four mana. I thought I thought you made a, I thought the story was going to end with you making a catastrophic play.
1: Uh no, I mean like uh I think I actually set if I remember correctly I set two bottle gnomes and I think I price of progress at some point to put myself from 6 to 4 and maybe if I don't do that like somewhere earlier in the chain then I can untap the mana vault, I guess, because I have an extra two turns. But uh, yeah, I mean, at the time, I when I cast it, there, you know, this line where I was going to die to a mana vault, I can't untap for four turns straight was not <laughs> was not something I, that was uh, clear to me. Uh, but yeah, I I think I recall pricing when I didn't have to, and taking an extra two damage that I probably didn't need to take. And if I didn't do that. I probably beat him, and I definitely beat the guy that was in the finals. If that wasn't the finals, I remember having a good match against the next deck. It was
3: like just some red green beatdown deck that didn't have Fire Blast. That card's busted. Is the
1: Paul Dean story interesting? We were oh, already talking great. about it. Think, it's such I? a
2: good story. It's so Paul- good.
1: Paul Dean killed me with Flame Cast Wheel. So he this- had a one outer.
2: There's so much going on in this PTQ. Like in round like eight or something, Rob just can't win if his opponent decides to block. Rob's playing this like four five color deck with dictative five colored deck with dictative Heliod in it. He just like his opponent's at like, I don't know, like 18 or something, and Rob has 13 damage on board. Just like all in attack. His opponent just goes, no blocks. Dictate a Peleod. His opponent just looks at the board and goes, good game. <laughs> 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 and then Rob, like, drafts this, like, insane blue-red deck, gets to the finals against Paulding. In game one, they, like, misrepresent go- board state. Paulding somehow takes extra damage and bends one of his creatures, untaps, and goes, I don't think I can win. And then concedes and goes to game two. And then inside... Yeah, the when he
1: was shuffling, he was just like... We were shuffling for like a minute. We're both just like dead tired. This this is like a nine-round PTQ, so it's like almost midnight, right? We're just like, you know, just slugging through the shuffling. And he just perks up. He's like, you scummed me! And I was like, what are you talking about? I thought he was talking about the fact that I made, made him put sleeves on his deck because he was trying to play with like an unsleeved deck. And I was like, no, I'm not... That's not how we're going to do that. But uh, he remembered... That like some creature I had maybe should have died, and that uh, if it did, he wouldn't have conceded. I think he was still dead anyways, but because I had he, the creature, he was like, dead. He was, he was like, dead based
2: on the cards in your hand. He hands. was
1: definitely dead with the creature. But I mean, I but, uh, sure I was winning the game anyways. He was in a really bad spot. But yeah, yeah he, he like he starts just like berating me about it for the lols, obviously, and the trolls, which was fair. I mean, I deserved it. I mean, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> The funny thing was, like everyone around apparently noticed, but no one said anything. <laughs> it was kind of weird. And then he proceeds to just like run me two games straight. It was, it was so good, oh, which was brutal. <laughs> so I feel like my deck was much better than his. Your
2: deck was much but. better than his, but you did flame cast wheel. A yeah, flame cast wheel. You can't. Be you dead. learned a very valuable lesson that day.
0: Yeah, sometimes bad cards are good. Well, what happened? Like he cast a game game two or three.
1: Uh, draw, I have so like a two-one. I have a two-one flyer. I have. Let me think. I remember these cards. I have a sigiled skink, which is like a two mana two-one red creature. When it attacks, Whenever you attack, try Stry one, two, two or one. Try two? I, two I, or no, one, try one. Try two would be good. Um, yeah, it I was a, good. I have a stratus walk on it, so it has flying. Um, and he's. I think he goes to two actually, and he's just like dead the next turn. And he draws flame cast wheel, plays it it's one mana artifact, five tap sack, do three damage to a creature or player, and just, like, pops my Sigiled Skink. And I proceed to draw just lands, while he draws Centaur Battlemaster, and, like, a couple spells that he can target it with it. So, like... It was I,
2: brutal. I basically was...
1: can't draw a Magma Jet to kill him. He, like, cuts no. off the, the other eye. The way he
2: did it, too, was, like, I don't know if you've ever seen Paul Dean play, but he's always, like, super serious, and looks like he's gonna go, like, chop down a tree or something. He, like, draws, and just, like smiles a bit and then like looks at rob and like slides it into play i was and like am I, just, do i win am, are you dead what, what does, does that do <laughs> <laughs> this card's
1: unplayable <laughs> it back down.
2: draws land draws land draws land it's like oh my gosh
1: it was bad it was bad that was the beginning of paul dean going from like you know we were both like Equally good rando grinders that queued every once in a while to him oh, being like an right? actual master and probably yeah, goes from you know, like the top nothing to platinum top three of, in Canada. Yeah. That could have been you. Probably not, but uh, I'm glad it was
0: him, I guess. If it wasn't me.
2: <laughs> Shout out, Paul D.
0: All right. Let's wrap up the show. Guys, love loved the show. Please leave a, a thumbs up on YouTube or subscribe to the YouTube channel. Shout out to our First Strike Nation, Jonathan Good, Kyle Smirchik, J. Thomas Eaton, Sasha Papo, Derek Pipe, Matthew Kelly, Adrian Mertensen. Uh Huge shout outs. And also to there, – there's there's one Nation member that, that has supported me since the A-Team who, who um, chooses to remain anonymous, and I've thanked him. I've tried to contact him. Personally, I don't know who this person is. I've never met him. A I know secret, what it is. I actually feel like there's a five percent chance it's my dad, um, because it's like I don't. I've been trying to contact this person to thank him, and he left me one email. Uh, and then, like every now and then, I would try to email this person to thank him and and you know what I could do extra for him for the for the support. I've yet to, to hear back from him, so really weird. Really weird. Uh, whoever you are, huge shout outs to you. Uh, it might be I mean, no, it can't be Rob, but it might be some, someone I know. And uh, I really appreciate the support. Appreciate everyone in the nation, of course. and, uh, and if you want to join our first strike nation Facebook group, uh go to patreon.com slash first strike, and our team is finishing up on some new sideboard guides for standard and modern, especially with the, the new decks or, or the more popular decks that came out from the PT and, and all the online PTQs and stuff like that. I think my team will probably get most of them done by the middle of this week. So definitely check it out. And if there's a special request, hit them, hit us up in the nation Facebook group. And uh, I think that does it for this show. There's, there was other topics we could have covered, but I think, Most people wanted to hear our thoughts on on modern and and, and the latest news. So any last thoughts, uh, Derek, Rob? Join us back here next week uh, when we talk to the GP champion.
1: Derek,
2: yeah.
0: Misplaced Ginger.
2: I have to, if I top eight, like I'll be happy. You know what? I don't need the win. It's fine. I just need to queue for the tour. (laughs) If you're lucky enough to top eight, you're definitely winning the event. I mean that's that's probably a true statement. Like how how lucky do you think I have to be at a top eight of the event? Like probably pretty yeah, lucky, lucky, right? Yeah, <laughs> ten, pretty lucky. ten luckies. Ten lucky it's probably the Irish in me coming out, you know?
3: It's down. Okay. Well yeah, we'll see you next week.
0: Oh uh, yeah, shout so out to everyone. Um, make sure to hit up Sergio Ferry, who is awesome guy. Um pretty pretty cool to see him uh me getting rob and sergio into the crypto talk as it's tanking like crazy this past week um i unfortunately uh will probably have to do a lot of uh i have a lot of personal responsibilities this weekend very very unlikely to to make it to the gp but i will be there at the GP in may so see you guys there for those who are going to that one um but uh good luck to everyone and, and rob and derek are going to be there so and brian so make sure to say hi to those guys so for for all of us from first strike we'll see you next monday with the new champ see ya